0: Some families are made from the ones we meet along the way. Our families are built on love and traditions, the memories we share, and knowing that life is better because we're together. Pure Life, 100% pure quality water, refreshing every moment together. Visit purelifewater.com and discover where to buy Pure Life. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack?
1: He is, you know.
2: Does it tame and tame and tame again?
1: The Guernsey Grealish, what constitutes a late show, fake final whistles, the maximum speed and distance of ghosting in, the so-called refereeing big two, persevering with footballers names in things, schoolboy defending, is it Timpop behaviour to count a throw in as one of the passes in a team goal, and who are each European country's official giants? Brought to your ears by Goalhanger Podcasts, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry. This is the Adjudication Panel and on the panel today, first of all, David Walker. How's it going? Very well. How are you? Yeah, lovely stuff. And alongside you, returning favourites from the Adjudication Panel, it's Nick Miller. Welcome back.
0: Wonderful to be here. How are you finding
1: the new era? Yes, much the same. Just trying to keep the continuity going, really. Mm. And good to have you back. Good to see you. That bridge hasn't been burned at least. No no other bridges have been burned. Um, yes, it's your, it's your 58th cap, your 58th cliches cap, all in. Uh, right. In England terms, Nick, that nudges you just ahead of Paul Gascoigne and Jimmy Greaves,
0: <laughs> just behind oh, yes. Phil Neville. Uh, okay. You're really kind of giving with one hand and taking with the other, there not
1: Yeah. Sorry about that. A bit of cliches news for you as well. This Thursday, we're going to be unveiling a brand new cliches mini quiz segment. It's called Happy Hunting Grounds. I've got an enormous spreadsheet to back it all up. It's, uh, it's watertight. I'm convinced of it. It's going to be great. I've road tested it. And trust me, if you think you know Premier League years and all the other associated knowledge, this is the quiz for you. Right. Uh, before we get stuck into the adjudication panel proper, um, I, I want to make clear, not necessarily on his behalf. I just feel obliged to, to step in. Peter Drury definitely said clouted. He definitely said clouted. That's all I need to say. Um, we move on. Adjudication panel begins with this. Dave, this is a friend of yours. I believe. Alex Scott, Bournemouth's Alex Scott, he says, the Guernsey Grealish. Can you be likened to a current player, especially one that plays in the same division as you and is only eight years older? I don't think any of those caveats make any difference. I think it's all right. I mean, we can talk about the specific sort of structure of the likening in a moment, but I think, Dave, on the face of it, I think it's absolutely fine. Yeah, and I think in this case as well, it's... If he's not
2: from Guernsey, indeed, if he's not from a place that begins with G, it, mm. he, he's not going to be called the 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 workshop Grealish. No, I, d- I don't think it would work as well. But I, I do, I do kind of see. So this this the guy who sent this in uh, his name is John, and I do kind of see where John's coming from in that these sort of dubbing's they tend to there tends to be a bit more separation and sometimes a bit more irony or something mm-hmm. involved. So it's it's a little bit. I'm not, yeah, it doesn't feel quite right with me.
1: Oh, so the suggestion there, Nick, is that, you know, if you do have some irony involved, it really has, has to be a kind of cartoonishly different pair of players. So the alliteration clearly helps. But I also think the formulation of it, you know, it's, it's quite breezy. It's not like Maradona of the Carpathians. It hasn't got a grandness about it. It's quite breezy. It's just the Guernsey Grealish. It's, it's just out there. and I, And I think its breeziness really does smooth over the fact that they are essentially peers
0: i don't think we're quite in croydon de bruyne territory here which is you know obviously the sort of nadir of, of the genre but yeah it, it, as long as they're kind of vaguely comparable positions and the player you're being compared to is obviously at a higher level than you i don't think it i don't think it usually matters Good, unless yep. unless we're going into kind of irony territory
1: as we so often do with these things that's the problem <laughs> next up fairly straightforward question i hope from tom cornwall Nick. He says, what constitutes a late show from a team? I saw a newspaper headline about Portsmouth late show last weekend. Had a look to find out that they'd scored a last-minute goal to win 1-0. In my mind, a late show is a team scoring two or more goals to equalise or win... Such as Spurs at home to Sheffield United last month. Maybe it's just me. I kind of see what he's what he means here. A late show does have to be something fairly
0: sort of turnaroundy, something fairly sort of narrative-changing of the game. A couple of levels to this. The specific example he's chosen, I think, is or he's highlighted. I think is fine. Eighty-nine minutes onwards, I think one goal is fine. I think any earlier than that, a late show need, probably does need to be. Two. And then further complicating matters, the Tottenham Sheffield United thing where there was two goals in injury time. That's a late, late show. That is a late,
1: late show. I'm glad you said that. You're (laughs) absolutely
0: right. Uh, Maybe it's as simple as this,
1: Dave. A late, late for something that's a complete turnaround. And, you know, halfway through this consideration, I have just, I've thought to myself, it is absolutely fine. Any late goal that changes the result of a match should be considered a late show. I think it's fine. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, is there,
2: similar to what we were saying last week about having it all to do and all that, late show, is there some sort of expectation that it would happen? Like a an underdog, it's not
1: really a late show, is it? Because you weren't expected to put on the performance. I think you're onto something here. A late show can't be smash and grab. Mm-hmm. A late show is something you you were basically knocking at the door and you finally got it done. You know, it's a case of the late show at the Stamford Bridge or something like that. It, yeah, I think it would be, you have to have been hammering away at the opposition door for the best part of 90 minutes.
2: Even if you hadn't been, but you let's say Manchester City, who were expected to beat Manchester United yesterday, had kind of done nothing much. Erling Haaland scored two goals in injury time to, to wrap it up. Like... I don't think you have to necessarily have been knocking at the door, but I think you had there have to have been some pre-match expectations that you would win.
1: Okay, that seems absolutely that seems fairly solid criteria. I'm going to go with that. Speaking of nearing the final whistle, Nick, this was a curious development at Anfield on Thursday night in their Europa League tie with Toulouse. It was around the 86th minute.
2: Some joker
1: with a whistle in the crowd. I fooled everyone. Before we get into the um, the real details of this, Dave, my first thought is, why does this not happen more often? Maybe I'm being naive about the acoustics of, of modern football stadia in, in you know, 40,000 seater arenas, but a pretend whistle could cause havoc and they're not easy to detect on the way in. I, I, I don't understand why this doesn't happen more often. Yeah, I've often thought that because you, you
2: occasionally hear somebody trying to do it with their you know, fingers in their mouth, whistle, <laughs> which is, which is just absurd. And as you say, getting a whistle into a stadium, not much of an issue, I don't think. I think the fact that Liverpool were 4-1 up helped matters here. Although it's the 86th minute. You know, they've gone early there. It, the fact that it was quiet, it, there wasn't much going on. I mean, if you, you you couldn't get away with this in like a pulsating game on a knife edge. In no, you the, in just the get beaten minute. up. You
1: get beaten up by the person no, next but to I don't you, think the, you. No, but you nobody would hear like it. blowing a whistle, wouldn't you? But nobody yeah. else would
2: hear it as well. Yeah. Like the fact that it was quiet, everyone here. And, and, and it's the clap for me, the person who, who stood up to applaud. <laughs>
1: The way that the clap petered out, Nick, was so good. It's like, oh, what have I done? <laughs> I'm trying to style it out, but um, it's like someone clapping at the wrong bit in
2: a speech, <laughs> yeah. a, a wedding, or something. They start on their own and just no one else joins in with
0: them.
1: <laughs> Nick, do you think they just ba- the blower of the whistle has just bottled it here? They've gone too early. They had this great idea in mind and they've just bottled it.
0: What is the, the aim here? What, what is the what is the pranks kind of to stop uh, a football to...
1: game just by to stop your own th- means? Th- yeah. right okay. that's the I'm not surprised that's a huge appeal surely Is the it? power you wield there
0: I think yeah. uh, I mean if I was in that situation I'd be I mean I, I would bottle it but I'd also I'd be too nervous about getting the the like the, the, the pattern right got to be very clear peep 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 let's analyse the technique shall we because I'm glad yeah. you raised that because I,
1: I think I think they got it quite quite right I, I'm glad oh, yeah, with I, the delivery of it <sighs> I, I think it's very, very convincing. He or she did bottle it, Nick, and went too early, but they got the peeping right. It wasn't rushed, it felt official. It felt wafer approved. I'm all for it. So there are there are pros and cons to this approach, I think. Adam,
2: what would you do if you were at a football match and you saw someone do this next to you or in the area that you were sitting in? Like, how would you react? They're a
1: twat to someone? Yeah. I, I yeah. wouldn't address them directly. Absolutely not. And, unless I, someone else did and then I would join in. I definitely. think there'd be, a, yeah.
2: there'd be a fairly even split between people who sort of applauding, smiling, way, like laughing, enjoying it and people turning around and tutting or...
1: I mean, obviously there's a vested interest. I mean, if it affects your team or something, like that, where it was a particularly tense match, but I think overriding mo- some of that, if the delivery of the whistle was really, really good and drawn out and emphatic, then I would secretly enjoy it, or you know, at least sort of nod with approval and then join in with the uh, opprobrium. Right, let's stick with Anfield, Dave. This came from Tim McKenna. He says during the post-match evaluation of Liverpool versus Toulouse, in the build-up to Liverpool's second goal, which was from a short corner. Joe Cole said Trent Alexander-Arnold had ghosted into an area which was about 20 yards from goal. A couple of problems with this for me, he says. One, Trent Alexander-Arnold barely moves. He walks a few steps. Walking does not a ghosting make. (laughs) Two, can you potentially ghost into any area on a pitch? Not for me. Surely ghosting is back post only. Two sensational points. Let's address them both in great detail. First of all, Dave, does walking equal ghosting? Can it equal ghosting? I think it can because what's what are we? What's the essential bit of ghosting here? I think ghosting has to have an element of this is a bit Rolls Roycey to an extent. Like it has yeah. to be, it has to be a smooth, move, undetected. But you essentially do have to be running, don't you?
2: Yeah, but a ghost could sort of creep up. <laughs> Slowly. Don't do it? this. Well, no, but I mean, it literally, like, it could. Like, don't, I don't think there has to be... That doesn't have to be an element of speed in terms of the ghosting. No, it's not defined
1: by its speed. It's defined no. by its slickness, its stealth. And if you were if you were breaking in someone, you'd do it as quick as you can, right? You might be doing it slowly in the grand scheme of things, but you'd be doing it as quickly as you can.
0: The key point is the, the element of distance involved. I don't think you have to be running, but you do have to have moved... More than a few yards. Yeah, I so it's not the same as evading your marker. You have to no. come.
1: You have to go from a discernibly different point A to a discernibly different point B.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Hundred okay.
1: percent. Okay, so we've, okay, we've established that walking may or may not be ghosting and does need further investigation. Two, I think is more clear-cut, Nick. Ghosting is purely back post. You can't ghost anywhere else, can you? You can't even ghost into the near post because you'd be in front of everyone and they'd see you.
0: Yeah, it's too obvious, isn't it? It's, it <laughs> ghosting is your... Everyone's concentrating on the near post delivery and you've nipped in at the back post.
1: Overall, Dave, wh- why do we call it ghosting? I mean, Obviously, there's an undetected aspect to it, but... Why is it so crucial to this particular scenario to call it ghosting? I think it is the undetected nature
2: of it. Yeah, it's one minute you were somewhere, the next minute you were there. And
1: yeah, that I do think, yeah, Nick, you're probably right. It does need to be a certain amount of distance. Because a typical ghosting, Dave, you'd start on the edge of the box. That's 18 yards. And you're probably going to be ghosting to around three or or four or five. So let's say 13 yards is the maximum ghostage that you can allow. Because yeah. you're not ghosting right up to the line. You, you could conceivably ghost right up to the post and then just sort of bundle it in. But I don't know. Sort of
2: tiptoeing... Kind yeah. of sheepishly around the back yeah. post while everyone's looking the other way. That's yeah, it's what often I think. it's not a
1: continuous movement. It's not a yeah. run as such because you're you're having to sort of time it to make sure that you get there at the same time as the ball, and that's not a precise science. So it's it's almost like um, almost almost balletic, isn't it? Ghosting because you're having to you're moving your body and you're facing you know, having to face to pay attention to a lot of things. So it's not a straightforward run to the post where you know it's all pre-designed. It's all on you. So the ghosting is a very tricky kind of act of calibration of limbs so yeah speed not important poise and timing very much is right next up um, we haven't heard from Gary Weaver yet since we relaunched this podcast Ronan Fitzgerald writes in says for the few saves after the second Liverpool goal against Nottingham Forest the Sky commentator said this
0: Liverpool are threatening again Diogo shots a a slide, Lye it away again He's being overworked right now, Helped out by his defence that time, but Liverpool are right on Nottingham Forest doorstep. An unusual
1: formulation here Nick, as Ronan says. He said Liverpool are right on Forest doorstep already 2-0 up. And he says it's weird since knocking on the door is surely closer than being on someone's doorstep, <laughs> but it's normally used when teams are level, not at 2-0. I'm very confused. I think the logic there is flawless. I've never heard it the team being right on somebody's doorstep before.
0: They've been knocking on the door and the implication that they've scored a goal so they're already in the house. So maybe no it's not doesn't work, does it?
2: I just think it's in, very specifically in relation to that bit of play. I don't think the fact that they were 2-0 up is really coming in rightly or wrongly, is coming into his mind here. Yeah, it's, he's, he's describing it's very localized. They are they are sort of camped out on here. someone's
0: doorstep. Does the attempt to get into the house reset after each goal? Maybe they don't oh, want to get into the house.
2: Maybe they just want to. Maybe they're campaigning. They just want to chat. Yeah, you on exactly. The <laughs> I d- yeah, you don't knock on someone's door to necessarily go
1: in. I mean, it's very infrequent yeah, these true, days. Yeah. You wouldn't. You, would, you were going to go in someone's house. You would have pre-arranged it. Um, knocking on the door is very. You know, these days it seems <laughs> more of a more of a seventies, eighties thing to knock on someone's door and then go in. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. No, Complete that's, that's mental Yeah it is It is Complete mental What a horrible take that was um, They used to have the doors on. open
2: You didn't need to knock In the old days
1: <laughs> And that's why There were more goals In the old days There you go Right this, this puzzled Quite a few people actually This was a completely New development on me At least Let's hear it Michael Word On Paul Tierney An interesting appointment In itself uh, Departing from the idea That it's always The big two For the big game The VAR today, by the way, is one of the big two. Michael Oliver. Is this a thing? And more to the point, Nick, do you reckon this is a thing at PGMOL? Do you reckon they refer to Anthony Taylor and Michael Oliver as the big two?
0: 100% they do. They do. While watching the game, I did stop and think and probably missed a, a good portion of the game whilst trying to figure out who are the big two possibly should have been obvious that's but one of
1: the points we've got to make here are yeah, they exactly.
0: discernibly the big two I think they probably are I mean they're the
1: European sort of
0: appointees aren't they yeah when, when I thought about it for a little, for a, a short period of time then you know I did settle on who the big two were but for for a moment I was slightly puzzled
2: I think I'd have got Michael Oliver I don't know if I would my brain would have come round to getting Anthony Taylor to be honest with you um, well, I would
1: say Anthony Taylor's the number one Michael Oliver the number two is there an actual like
2: league table do the no. PGM have a no, bit like internally have like, mean, they got some sort of ranking system well they get assessed so there's no reason why they
1: wouldn't be expected yellow cards I don't know Um, do you think they're the self-styled big two the so-called big two or the self-appointed big two I'm going to keep them as so-called for now when Keezy hears about this Dave he's going to go potty (laughs) absolutely potty another gem next from the uh, daily BBC transfer gossip column a huge challenge Dave perennially for second mentions because you know there's a lot of names and a lot of clubs that go into this so a lot of hard work has to go into kind of keeping the uh, the elegance going this did, however does not qualify It came from max earnshaw who spotted this little entry it says manchester city will allow england midfielder calvin phillips 27 to leave the club in the january transfer window the etihad stadium club remain keen on a move for west ham's lucas Paqueta. that is <laughs> that is genuinely horrible I think might actually be the worst possible in the Premier League. What would you go What would you go I mean, there's so many things you could go for. But what would you go for? Maybe the
2: writer of that knows that Citizens is Aussie. Yeah, awful. they are tricky. That is the thing. Because, yeah. and, and you can't, they're not, they're not Sky Blues. They're not the Blues. They're not Citizens
1: is just weird. And there's the whole Cities ends thing. You can't that, use Eastlands anymore, can you? No, Eastlands <laughs> out- no one knows where Eastlands is The Eastlands is outfit. <laughs> yes, the it's treble winners.
0: The yeah, defending exactly. champion. That's what I going yeah. to say. There's such an with City. There's such an easy out there. You got, and you've got you've got three to choose from as well. Treble trouble winners, Premier League champions, European champions.
1: Pep Guardiola's men, Pep Guardiola's side, but not the Etihad Stadium club. <laughs> it's just so weird.
0: Is it, it is it worse because it is a sponsored stadium? Would it be if it was Chelsea? and they said the Stamford Bridge club with that but i mean it's still weird but is it worse
1: it's weird but it's definitely not as clunk uh, mm. and even then uh, with with chelsea you get the option of going the west london club which is what, i mean if you can specify the area of the city that they inhabit then that's quite useful but yeah didn't like that one at all right i'm going to keep this segment going for as long as humanly possible because i enjoy it even if nobody else does it's footballers names in things and it's a huge edition of it this time first one came from harry nasaris Just had a thought, says Harry. Do you think in the Four Seasons song where they sing about what a night it was in late December back in 1963, they were referring to the Boxing Day results? <laughs> <laughs> Never thought of it. <laughs> so who's having the great night on the back of the Boxing Day results earlier in presumably that evening? I mean, it must have been a, they must have been floodlit games, right? Or were they the... Uh, no, they six, would have been in the afternoon. Sixty.
0: Yeah, well, the floodlights around then, so yeah, uh, by that point, so it could have been. Uh, could have but been who's floodlight. having the good night? the The, the results compilers What
1: a great day at work today. Usually, it's just one nils and two ones. <laughs> Lo- just lovers of football, you know. <laughs> yeah, lovers of football. Match of the day, match of the day wasn't quite a thing yet. That was a, another year away from happening. The guy who thought of the idea for match of the day was having a great night. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, just warming up here. Just warming <laughs> up here. The next one came from. <laughs> Some of these are ridiculous. The next one came from Max Worth. Get your ears trained. He says, which naughty striker's name can hear in Elton John's, I guess that's why they call it the blues.
0: Cry in the night it helps,
1: the hell. Any idea? Play it one more time. I'll help you out. Cry in
0: the the Marlon Hairwood. I did think I, I thought, is it Marlon? No, but there's no second ah, oh, yeah.
1: Should have guessed. What a what a victory that would have been. What an incredible spot that would have been. This um, is
0: this is pushing it, really.
1: <laughs> that's funny though. And yes, I agree. It's ridiculous. It doesn't quite work. But from now on, this is what I'm gonna sing every time I hear this song. And that's enough for me. Life-changing. This does get better, I promise. Next up, Tom Olver. On the subject of footballers' names in things, he says. Did you know that a former Premier League and Jamaica striker appears in Radiohead's Planet Telex?
0: You can crush it, but it's <laughs> That, that's that's better, genuinely good. That's genuinely good,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, God. This should just just be the podcast. We should have just come back as this and nothing else. Who cares about the rest of it? Ooh, ooh, what's a through ball? No one cares. It's Jason Yule in Radiohead. Um, this one genuinely is footballers' names, however. Um, this comes from a Nations League Once Again podcast. Um, the song Returner by Australian band Gang of Youths. Comes with a two for a price of one. Have a listen. I thought he was saying player X and player Y. Turns out he actually is. I got love the
0: and the, punks and the let's be honest, I'm only in it I now I a a average I'm hardly student, but the vision, the I get.
1: This shouldn't qualify for for this feature. No, I agree, but it is still funny. But I think it's the glory of having just the pair of them together in the same song. Just feels very unlikely to me. I'm very but
2: surprised. I'm very surprised that you Adam, actually. You're normally such a stickler for the rules, for yeah. the the correct way of doing things, and you're just you've opened the bloody floodgates today. No, Anything's the getting The Floodgates in. are not open.
1: The floodgates <laughs> are not open. This this was very much a one off. It was the fact that they were there, juxtaposed with each other, and they shouldn't exist together. And here they are. So there they are. Right. Final one for this segment, despite Dave's protestations, Lorcan JPT. It says, I'm on a work trip in the US and the fella taking me round is called Kevin Keegan Maloney. He's named after exactly who you think he is, says Lorcan. And the best part is his brother is called Patrick. After the boots. <laughs> <laughs> What a short change sibling that is. Did Kevin Keegan wear Patrick? I think he did, didn't he? was well, a good job he did. My little brother Gola. Confirmed Kevin <laughs> Kevin Keegan wore Patrick's boots. What, what a short straw of the deal that is. You get called Kevin Keegan, you're just getting named after his boots. No one will ever know until, until I have to point it out. Insane.
0: It feels a little bit... You know the bit at the end of um, the, the Usual Suspects when he realises that um, the, you know, the whole story has been told because Kevin Spacey has been looking at all the things around? It feels like someone has been asked to name a child, and then has looked around a room. There's a poster of Kevin Keegan on the wall. Yeah. I was like, oh, uh, Ke- uh, Kevin Keegan. And I goes, oh, you got another one. You, there's, it's, there's another one. So, and looks down, Patrick, 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 there you go. Little baby John Toshak.
1: Right, that draws footballers' names and things to a glorious close. Next up, from Ishan. Nick, he says, When Arsenal were 2-1 up at Sevilla, a commentator on TNT said, Arsenal are still a goal to the good. Is it just me, or is a goal to the good purely reserved for a scoreline of 1-0? Can you use that phrase, when up by one in any scoreline? Surely you wouldn't use it for, say, 4-3. And we've got to be a pretty hard line about this, haven't we, Nick? It's 1-0, and that's it. Goal to the good. Mm. A goal to
0: the good. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's fine. No. If I
1: said Forrest were a goal to the good, what
0: do you think the score would be? Immediate assumption would be that it's one nil, but I, I think in other circumstances, I think it's it's fine. No,
2: you'd assume that it would be one nil, so I think that tells you the story. A
0: a goal to the good, so to the good ahead, a goal. So it's just w- one goal. It's, it's not like it's not. There's no implication there that the other team haven't scored any goals. Linguistically fine, like
1: it implies you could use it for any scoreline, but you just can't in the in the raw reality of football discourse,
0: you can't use it for two one. You just can't. The, the oscillations here in this podcast, Adam, going from such a loose interpretation of uh, of things before to now being so hardline about this
1: things. This isn't this is this is this is like the consistency argument for referees. These are two separate <laughs> things. They don't have to follow the same oh, so degree
0: this, of consistency. Is this is this common sense then? you yeah, 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 it is.
1: Enough. Yeah, it is. It is right. Well get your common sense to the ready. It's time for For My Sins Corner. I will play you a clip from popular culture. You have to tell me when the immortal words, For My Sins, are about to be uttered. Nick, you've had a while away from this, but Dave, I can tell you, is not in good form. This might be the best time to play him. Here we go. BBC Radio 2, 10 to the top.
0: Contestant number two on 10 to the top today is in Northampton. He is John White. Morning, John. Morning, Gary. How are you? I'm fine. you having a good day? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Not bad. <laughs> good. Uh, you're a massive supporter of Northampton Town FC, which you call a life yeah, sentence. For, for my sins. For my sins. Oh! Come on, you know, come on. Season ticket for almost 50 years now, so uh, certainly can't be classed as a glory boy.
1: I kept it simple, and that played into Dave's hands because he snuck Come on. It. Fair play. It's been a while, Dave. How does it feel?
0: It does feel great. I
1: feel like a weight's been lifted.
0: When Northampton was mentioned, I thought, well, that, that's, that's going to be it. But no, that would be too obvious. And then it, there's even a, even, he kind of says, foot just before, he says, for my sins. And I, even then I thought, no, hang on, he's, Adam's done this deliberately. This isn't going to be it. This is, he's going to say something else. Christ. Overthinking things. Sometimes we just go route one. And the uh, the purists don't like it, but
1: there we go. Dave has one on the board. Not that there is a board. We do this quite informally, but good to have you back in form anyway. Next up came from Chris Evans. Dave he says, just seen the Salford manager say that the goals his team conceded were schoolboy goals. Have you guys ever covered what type of goal is the most schoolboy to concede and what even is a schoolboy goal? So we have two we have two ways of approaching this, Dave. You could you could pick the goal that most commonly occurred while you were playing actual schoolboy football. Or the goal that happens in elite level football that is most likely to be described as schoolboy. Um, I'll go with the former first, just to set the scene. Um, I would say a goal that's scored when you're not facing the ball as the opposition goalkeeper kicks it upfield. Then you're all chasing the ball because you have no idea of, of structure and shape at the age of seven. Then So you're all bunching. And then you leave the opposition striker with the freedom of the recreation ground to run through... And score past the goalkeeper whose shirt is too big. I'm so happy this
2: has got suggested today because on Sunday, yesterday as we record, it's very strangely, it doesn't normally happen. There was a schoolboys match on the next pitch to ours when we were playing yeah. Sunday League. I think they, they looked like they would. I'd say, under 16s, I reckon, 15s, about 15 maybe, 14, 15. And... The goal you've just described happened within about a minute of the kickoff. We just sort of turned. We we, we were kind of getting ready for our match, and then someone turned around. And we look, Oh, he's going to score! He There was just. There was just. There was just a kid running. Somehow, he just had the whole half to himself and and slotted it past the keeper, um, who didn't look like a keeper. On the flip side, for what you've just said, um, on, our, on our game, we did concede a few goals, which I would class as schoolboy, in that the most common scenario that I would describe that is a huge kick from the keeper, completely missed the header, let it bounce, and then they go through and
1: score. You know, if we boil this down, Nick, to schoolboy defending, which obviously causes schoolboy goals,
0: uh, what is schoolboy defending? It's, it's sort of... Hesitancy, a lack of communication, I think. Yep. Uh, letting it, ba- as he said, letting it bounce is a key mm. element to it. The third goal Forrest conceded to Liverpool yesterday was, was schoolboy because it involved the keeper coming out of the area and possibly not adequately communicating with the defender and then both leaving it to each other. I don't know if that would be described as a schoolboy
2: error by a by a pundit. I think that I think it's is it too calamitous, it's yeah, too
0: slapstick, maybe, yeah, yeah maybe, yeah
1: it's yeah. not because then you're being harsh to schoolboys when schoolboys are just naive but they're not they don't make rash decisions do they it's important important sweet spot to find chris evans we've got no closer to help you but we <laughs> we one day one day. Right, let's stick with Sunday League. Joe Wheeler writes in, Dave, says, um, Our Sunday League team have just been having a post-match pub debate that we ne- need a panel decision on. It concerns buying and selling between players and the referee. player can buy a foul, but the referee can equally be accused of he's bought the foul there. Ostensibly, this is the same scenario. So who's doing the actual buying here, and who's doing the selling, if anyone? We would appreciate your expertise here. So players can buy fouls, Dave. Players buy, buy fouls by what? Sort of sticking the leg out as they go as they go past? Is that... Is that the classic act of buying a foul?
2: Yeah, or just like backing into backing into a defender and wait, yeah, waiting for a slight bit of contact to go down, just dribbling aimlessly out of play towards a touchline, but sort of looking over your shoulder, waiting for the for
1: a tackle to come, you know, a slight bit of physical presence to come in, and then you go down and like clutch the ball. So. Obviously, Nick, we're talking about two different senses of the word here. I never really thought about the transaction involved in this first example of a player buying a foul, which is essentially the transaction is that they're kind of inviting the foul to happen. They're saying, yes, that looks good. I'll take it. So that's the buying of the foul. The other one, the referee being accused of buying the foul. So they've been hoodwinked. They've bought it. In the same sense, you say, I'm not buying that. They've bought it. They've been done.
0: That's more of a dive issue, isn't it? Yeah, you've fooled the referee and he's bought it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So, yeah, it does work. Um, So the two can coexist, Joe Wheeler, quite comfortably. What sort of things can you sell in football, Dave? You can sell a dummy. Yeah, or you can sell yourself. You shouldn't do it, but people often
2: don't sell yourself. You've gone in and you've... Oh, it's D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: going
0: in too early for a tackle.
1: New managers' philosophies: Nick need, need players to buy in.
0: Yeah, uh, but, and also managers can sell the idea of you mm. know player X playing on the left instead of the other right, or whatever.
1: But the players might not be sold on it. Exactly, and that's, when, and that's when they lose the dressing room. Go back to the original question, though.
2: I am I am intrigued about who's doing the buying here. Is one harder than the other? Is buying a foul, if you're a player, is that easier than yeah doing something that yeah, the referee buys from you?
1: Because buying a foul is pretty much always an actual foul. It's just you've you've basically just engineered the situation to happen. And then the defender's reaction usually, oh, bollocks. Like, I did, wish I hadn't done that. Whereas, you know, referee buying a dive is essentially cheating. So, um, and you have to get that right. Otherwise, you might get booked. So, I mean, and it also would never happen these days because of V A R. So, so, a dying art, the referee buying fouls. Um, Joe Wheeler, I hope we've solved that one for you. Right. Alex Odlin. Uh, I mean, this, again, a fascinating debate that we may never have otherwise had, Nick. He says, I hate to dob in my own club to the adjudication panel, but this is a tweet from Scunthorpe United about a great goal by Tyler Denton. The Irons' third goal on Tuesday, they wrote, was a superb team effort with no fewer than 21 passes. Good. Including the throw-in en route to goal. Wow, is a throw-in a pass? Is a throw-in a pass in in you know, in a broad sense? Would you allow it to be counted as a pass? Does even Opta include it as a pass? And two, would you include a throw-in in a total number of passes in the lead-up to a goal? Don't know if they're separate questions.
0: Instinctively, no, it's not. It doesn't make sense as a as a pass. But I don't know. Do what we're going to have to ask people about. We're going to have to get Opta on this
2: case. Michael Cox or Duncan Alexander. I'm going to I'm going to make you carry on amongst yourselves. I think it, I mean, it kind of should be included as a pass, shouldn't it? Because you can, you know, you could miss your target for yeah, a I throw mean, in.
1: It, yeah, it ticks most of the boxes, right? I mean, if it was a free kick and you just passed it to someone, that would be a pass. But I suppose but pass yeah. it with your hands. Is that yeah. allowed?
0: It's just a restart. Which would, you, would you get an assist if someone scored from a long throw in. Those R- Roy Delap's figures from the late 2000s were absolutely off the charts. Duncan Alexander is typing. <laughs> could be a long explanation. You just don't
1: know these days. Tense weight reputation on the line here yes and no <laughs> <laughs> there you go generally not for figures shown on websites etc he says okay yeah, well there you go even more damning then you yeah, like, United did they need to add the did they need to add it on it's 20 passes it's still quite tight isn't it that, but, that's you know, very impressive. 21's more than 20 and and you know these days throw-ins are a you know, an important thing. If you nail a good throw in, that's as good as a two yard pass, and that's going to get counted too. So, spiritually, Nick, I think it's probably okay. Could have been a good throw in.
0: Yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. Fine. Uh, we, we, we're going against the oracle here, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But also, this, this, if we read the original tweet, this, this goal
2: was a cross that went in. While it may have resulted in a self confessed cross. From Tyler Denton, the Iron's third goal on Tuesday was a superb team effort with no fewer than twenty-one passes, including the throw-in on route to goal. Have
1: we buried the lead here?
2: <laughs> yeah, this cha- this
1: changes everything. That's... <laughs> well, you take what you can get down in the National League when it comes to team goals, I guess. So, uh, Tyler Denton, you really iced the cake there with that one, right? Uh, Nick, give me some staples. Of the sort of sentiments that clubs offer to managers they've just sacked in their statement.
0: Thanking them for their efforts, yep. uh, wishing luck in the future. Yep. You will always be a, in, in certain circumstances, you will always be a, you know, red, or whatever whatever it is. I think they're, they're, they're the key ones,
1: aren't they? You could, for example, also um, say they're always welcome back as a guest in the future. Um, I feel like it, that's not necessarily a given, that one, you know, sometimes it might be such an acrimonious departure that that's kind of smooth, you know let's just leave that one out i think it's a lot of the time gareth ainsworth it would be fair to say dave is probably well loved at qpr despite having just been sacked he, he's still fairly well thought of there there's not going to be any sort of acrimony there right yeah yeah from, from,
2: from what i've observed from qpr fans that I've, I've seen online i think in it's has actually been a scenario where people have wanted him to be sacked so they don't have to hate him and he you know they doesn't get to the relationship doesn't become too sour, the bridge doesn't oh. get burned. Yeah,
1: they just think, come on, he's still a club legend, it hasn't worked, let's move on. He's been sat by QPR and he is welcome back, but this is how their tweet went. Gareth Ainsworth has departed with immediate effect. We'd like to thank Gareth for his commitment, desire, passion and professionalism. He'll always be welcome in W12. So I love this implication, Nick, that if they really hated him, he wouldn't be allowed
0: in the postcode.
1: He <laughs> wouldn't even be, like, just locked out. So an injunction, you're not allowed within three miles of Loftus Road.
0: If you wanted to go to the old the old BBC buildings, which I think is now uh, ITV studio, bad mm. luck, Gareth. Yeah, not allowed in the postcode. Can't go to uh, Westfield. That's probably nearby. Huge blow. Probably Ealing,
1: place, just about W five. That's all right. He's fine. He's safe. Um, I really enjoyed this question in the in midweek. This came from Darren Lang, and it was a tweet from Clyde One Radio. And it says, Brendan Rodgers' Celtic pick up their first point of the Champions League campaign with a strong showing against the Spanish giants. After their 2 2 draw against Atletico Madrid, Darren Lang asks Dave, I'm not sure if Atletico are quite giants. It's an interesting one because any country pretty much is only allowed two giants, I reckon. You can't have more than two giants. It's obviously, Barça and Real are the Spanish giants. I don't think Atletico Madrid are the Spanish giants. They're a huge club, obviously, but no, not, they're not the Spanish
2: giants. I think Italy have got Milan, Inter, Juve. You can have those three as giants. Three can't giants. You? Yeah. No, I think
1: you're drawing the line there. No more giants in Italy.
2: I don't think Lazio, Roma, Napoli, no. Fiorentina. I don't, I don't think they're giants. I think
0: those three are giants. Agreed. N- Netherlands have three giants, surely. Oh, do they Dutch
1: giants? Yeah, are you calling Feyenoord the Dutch giants? Yeah, no giants. way! Yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah, not yeah, having yeah. that. Well, well, I, I think Ajax you... are the only Dutch giants.
0: I was going to. Well, yeah, okay, that's fine. If you're gonna, if you're gonna have PSV, but not Feyenoord, I wasn't yeah. not having that. But yeah. if you, if you just, if it's just the, them, then you know that's fine.
2: Is it all relative though? Would you if you were like a Scottish championship side playing PSV, would it be fair to describe? them as giants PSV as Dutch giants in that
1: context Mm, you might be allowed to sort of special dispensation if you were particularly lowly but I think in general use when you're simply referring to a big you know one of the big hitters from one of the big European leagues you have to be quite conservative with your usage
2: okay so if they're not giants if these clubs that we're talking about aren't giants go you know if Atletico or or even Feyenoord PSV whoever else what, what are what are they what's the next level down from a giant, just
0: I mean, his, his big club is too generic. I think
1: outfit. It? I think outfit is oh, a good catch-all. Uh,
2: yeah,
1: the La Liga outfit
2: decide to pick up their first point in the Champions League campaign with a strong showing against the Spanish outfit. I think that undersells it a touch, do not they? Let's let, let it go on. They've won La Liga, Champions League. Got into Maybe the fine they need to win more of the finalists. Yeah, <laughs> work a bit harder. I mean, are, 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 more to the point, are Celtic a giant? Are they yeah. more of a giant? Athletic are Scottish giants.
1: Yeah, Scottish giants. It doesn't matter. It's it's purely country specific. So I don't think you could even argue that Atletico are bigger than Celtic. Would you argue that? Would you try <laughs> and argue that? Anyway, finally this week's question we have absolutely no answer to but really cherish anyway this is brilliant came from Ed Barker our post-game pub chat yesterday centred on the following question what are the most quintessential Roddy Forsyth observations in a Scottish Premiership game on 5 Live top top broadcaster and lovely bloke as well I have dealt with him a couple of times and I can tell you he's a lovely lovely guy which is makes his job easier I imagine yeah more of these Dave in future episodes I think people who nail the question but should never expect an answer to it I'm happy with that (laughs) Uh, No keys in Grey Corner this week. It was just pure Manchester United wall-to-wall United chat, which is so tired. So, so tired. So no gems from Keyes from the weekend. We'll be back on Thursday with our brand new Clichés Mini Quiz segment, Happy Hunting Ground. It is game-changing, I can tell you. See you then. Thanks for listening. Cheers, Dave. Thank you. Cheers, Nick. Thank you. See you later.